a desert planet with twin suns. Why do I sense we've picked up another pathetic life form? Use my knowledge. Much to learn, you still Welcome back to Twin Sun Talks, folks. I'm your host, Jonah Liu. Thank you so much for listening. And first of all, I want to say I'm really sorry that my release schedule has been kind of whack recently. I was sick for a while last week, so I had to kind of move some stuff around. And then uh, yesterday I had a big exam on the later side that I was studying the entire day for, so I didn't have time to record this episode. And then today I had a lot of other schoolwork that had piled up, so yada, yada, yada. I just want to say thank you all for being patient with me. Um, I should be pumping these out more regularly moving forward. Um, with that being said, I'm really excited to talk to you all about some Force ghosts and just immortality in Star Wars, how people pull it off. I think it's a pretty fascinating topic that we don't get too much lore about uh, in the visual media like the shows and movies. So without further ado, let's dive into ARC Trooper training. Gentlemen, who wants to be an ARC Trooper? I do, sir. So the first question that I feel like we should ask is, what is a forced ghost? Now, forced ghosts are beings who were able to preserve their consciousness after death. Uh, and by doing, in order to do this, they have to fully embrace the light side of the force, and their actions have to be based in selflessness and sacrifice. And so Jedi and other light side users were able to learn the secret uh, to immortality through special training. And there are a few people... Uh, who were able to actually receive this training and, and c- make this happen. Um, so it was a very, very uncommon skill to be able to have. But in theory, anyone committed to the light side should be able to do it. So the first person who kind of danced with this idea was Qui-Gon Jinn. It's played by Liam Neeson. He's in The Phantom Menace. Awesome character. But he learned this ability um, from the Shaman of the Wills, who was, a, there were a force-based religion who didn't wield the force the same way that the Jedi do, but they kind of studied it um, and and learned about it, and they were able to kind of harness it in other ways. Um, but he was killed by Darth Maul before he could complete his training, so he could only communicate to the, wor- the material world as a disembodied voice. Uh, but he was able to manifest himself on the planet Mortis, as we see him appear to both Obi-Wan and Anakin, because it had a very strong force presence. Um, and he continued his training after passing on to the to the netherworld and passing on his knowledge to Yoda and was able to appear as a force ghost by the time of the events of the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, as we know. Now, Yoda, on the other hand, um, kind of found his way to this ability uh, by communing with Qui-Gon. So he heard the voice of Qui-Gon Jinn during the Clone Wars. And he went on this quest to find the secrets to immortality. And he was tested by these forced priestesses in what was called the Wellspring of Life, which is uh, said to be the birthplace of midichlorians and all that sort of stuff. Um, but he had to prove his worthiness to these forced priestesses after conquering. Uh, and he had to conquer his inner darkness and show that he was willing to sacrifice himself to save the galaxy. Once again, this is... An, this ability is based in selflessness and sacrifice, and Yoda proved this uh, to these Force priestesses and began his training afterwards. Um, Obi-Wan, on the other hand, struggled with uh, his training and letting go of his guilt, and he was only able to commune with Qui-Gon after overcoming his guilt and shame. Um, 
And as we know, at the end of Revenge of the Sith, Yoda has been communing with Qui-Gon. And uh, at the end of Revenge of the Sith, he vows to teach Obi-Wan how to do the same. And it's not until the end of the Obi-Wan Kenobi show that he's finally able to do so. But he, after that, he continued to commune with Qui-Gon up until A New Hope, when Qui-Gon was able to man- manifest himself so realistically that he almost appeared to be like very faintly translucent. And this uh, comes from a book called From a Certain Point of View. It was a special book um, that was released for, I think, the 50th anniversary of A New Hope. And it's just a bunch of little short stories from a bunch of different uh, really renowned Star Wars authors. And uh, one of the short stories is about Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon talking in the little space of time between when um, Luke goes back to find... Owen and Beru's bodies burnt to a crisp at the Lars homestead. So, just a cool little tidbit there. Um, And then, of course, Obi-Wan sacrifices himself to save Luke and his friends aboard the Death Star and disappeared into the Force, becoming, quote-unquote, more powerful than Vader would ever be able to comprehend. Um, Speaking of Vader, Anakin Skywalker learned the secret to immortality in his final moments from Obi-Wan after being redeemed. So, as he's dying, Obi-Wan comes to him, and essentially saves him. He's like, listen to me. We don't have much time. This is how you do this. And then he's able to manifest himself after death as we see on Endor. Um, then moving on to Luke, Leia, and Ben. We don't really know what all went into their training. It seems kind of ambiguous during the sequels. But we can assume that Luke at least learned the secrets from Yoda and Obi-Wan. And... Um, Then he probably passed it on to Leia, even though she didn't have too much formal training, and Ben was still pretty young and didn't have too much time to train under Luke before he turned to the dark side. So the best that I could come up with is that Skywalkers are so innately powerful and force attuned that they can achieve this relatively easily. Um, Don't have to put in as much work as even the likes of Yoda, but yeah, that's, that's the best explanation for that that I have. So moving on now, I just want to go into a bit of what Force Ghosts can do. Um, We know that they can hold physical objects, like we see Luke holding the lightsaber in The Rise of Skywalker. They can control natural occurrences, as we see by Yoda summoning lightning in The Last Jedi. Um, They can affect living beings, because we see Qui-Gon's essence pick up Yoda and blow out candles um, in The Clone Wars. And then we also see Yoda hitting Luke with his cane, Um, in The Last Jedi as well. And then Anakin was actually able to battle Sith Wraiths on Exegol and save Luke from potential harm in the book Shadow of the Sith. It's a pretty interesting book. Um, I read it over the summer. It kind of follows Luke and Lando hunting down Ochi of Bastoon, kind of like they they referenced in The Rise of Skywalker as Ochi hunts down Rey and her parents um, uh, at the behest of the... Uh, Sith Eternal. It's pretty interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, th- th- there's a little tidbit in there where Luke is fighting these Sith Wraiths after he's been teleported from Titan to Exegol in a sort of meditative trance. And he's not able to affect these Wraiths, but they are able to affect him. And the only way that he's able to survive is um, is Anakin intervening as a Force ghost and using his lightsaber and fighting him off. Pretty cool. Um but, but yeah, no. So this ability is described by Yoda as the true path 
to Jedi victory over the Sith because the Sith cannot become true force ghosts because they are inherently selfish and worldly. Um, they instead achieve immortality by anchoring themselves to the material world. So there are some, there are several methods that they use to achieve this. Uh, first off is essence transfer. This, uh, I don't think has really been addressed in canon yet, but essentially what this is, is displacing one person's spirit with your own and overtaking their body. And so it's essentially like body hopping and body snatching where Darth Bane attempted to attempted to do this with his apprentice Xana, where he would essentially try to overtake her body, and if he was successful, her spirit would be just left in the ether um, for all eternity with nothing to latch onto, and he would then control her body, um, and then his legacy would continue that way. Um, and yeah, you preserve your essence by changing hosts and letting your old bodies wither away. Pretty interesting, um, but that's one way that the Sith were able to materially stay alive for extended periods of time. Uh, they could also anchor their spirits to an object. So this would allow future people to access your essence by interacting with said object. Like Darth Bane was quote-unquote attached to his tomb on Moraband, or Korriban if you're a purist. Um, and we see him interact with Yoda, but he can't do anything beyond that grave of his his spirit is anchored to that object uh darth nihilus imbued his mask with his essence so he could essentially possess anyone that wore it same with darth momen he preserved a part of his consciousness within his mask could possess whoever wore it and darth sidious transferred his essence into a clone of himself which is um how it kind of ties into essence transfer but the clone was animated only because he was imbued with darth sidious's essence um so those are some objects of that. And then obviously, or not obviously, but lastly, we have manipulation of midichlorians. And we learn about this through the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise, and we get more insight into it in the Darth Plagueis novel. But Darth Plagueis was able to influence midichlorians to keep people from dying and create life. And this, the, the issue is this came at a cost of others, as it either required a person to quote-unquote donate their midichlorians or it caused the person in question to stay alive far past their natural point where um, it, they needed to die, but Plagueis would keep them just kind of on a string, and he would just keep yanking them back. Um, so this is not a very selfless um, way of preserving life, but it is technically a way that it was done. Um, that being said, I just want to address, I, I just thought of this as I was recording, uh, something that people will probably want to know is why originally Anakin appeared as an old man as a Force ghost back before the prequels were made. And then after the prequels were made, he suddenly appeared as Hayden Christensen. And the best reasoning for this that I could come up with is that his essence, after he was redeemed, was the essence of Anakin Skywalker, who had not been around since the days of the Clone Wars, because Darth Vader had completely twisted and altered him and is essentially a completely different person. So that's my best reasoning for that. Um, but I don't know. That could be completely wrong. That's speculation on my part. That being said, that's about all that I have. I think that this topic is super interesting and very nuanced, so I wanted to bring it to y'all. 
Uh, so let me know if you enjoyed it and you want me to cover more stuff about it. But that being said, this wouldn't be a proper episode if I didn't leave you with just a little bit more. So in the Mortis arc of the Clone Wars, which is in Season 3, um, whenever Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka are transported to the realm of Mortis, uh, and they interact with these uh, Force gods known as um, the Son, the Daughter, and the Father. The Son, who is the embodiment of the dark side, um, was supposed to, in an early draft of the show, commune with the spirits of Darth Bane and Darth Revan, who are very prominent Sith in Legends, Darth Bane being the one who created the Rule of Two, and Revan being a Jedi who turns Sith, who turns Jedi, and is a very complicated and interesting character. But this was ultimately cut from the show and never left pre-Viz um, because of the notion that Sith couldn't appear as Force ghosts. So Dave Filoni and George Lucas took a look at that and said, as cool as it would be to have these characters in the show to preserve continuity, we can't allow Revan and Bane to be able to manifest themselves without, um, as we previously said, something like a mask or a tomb or something like that to anchor their bodies to the physical realm. So... Just thought that was kind of interesting. You can actually see the, you can watch that deleted scene on YouTube if you just look up. Uh, the son talks to Revan and Bane on Mortis. I'm sure you'll be able to find it. But it's pretty cool. It's not fully animated, but it's it's still an interesting thing to see. Um, that being said, that's all that I have for this episode. I hope you yet. I hope that y'all enjoyed it. Once again, I'm sorry that it was a late release. I'll try to be more on time uh, moving forward. But that being said, we got Andor and Tales of the Jedi coming out tomorrow. I'm super pumped. I'm just doing my Andor review tomorrow, and I'm going to save my Tales of the Jedi review for Thursday, um, just so I don't have two episodes coming out on the same day and get to kind of spread the love. Um, but I'm super excited to cover both. It's going to be awesome. Three days in a row with an episode. Let's go. Um, but that being said, if you don't already, follow us on Instagram at Twins and Talks. Oh, Wow. At Twin Sun Talks, subscribe to us on YouTube, Twin Sun Talks Podcast, and make sure to follow and listen wherever you get your podcast by searching Twin Sun Talks. Um, until tomorrow, you've taken your first steps into a large world. May the force be with you, and I will see y'all in the next episode. Bye, friends.